My name is Ben Brandon, the Associate Pastor for Youth and Young Adults, and preaching today is our parish associate, Nancy Gray. We do welcome Nancy to the pulpit, and we thank her for preaching this morning. Nancy began serving Second Presbyterian as part-time parish associate for visitation in June of 2022. Currently, Nancy is a student at Union Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Richmond, and she is preparing to lead congregations and become a commissioned ruling elder. She has great love for this congregation, a heart for compassion, and an organized approach to ministry. So not only thank you for today, but thank you for the work that you do with our visitation committee and visiting all our members who are in need of such touch and visitation. So thank you. Good morning. You may be surprised to see me here, but as you have heard with George and Elizabeth away and Ben and Philip and our youth just now returning yesterday from the mission trip, George asked me to fill in. Knowing that I'm currently enrolled in the commissioned ruling elder program at Union Presbyterian Seminary, George understood this preaching experience this morning would be helpful in my studies. So to this morning, I thank you for this opportunity. As we prepare now to hear today's scripture and God's word proclaimed, let us pray. Almighty God, may the words I speak be those you want spoken. May the words we hear be those you want heard, and may our faith be deepened so that we may live to your glory. Amen. Hear now our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest upon that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. 
yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy almost July 4th. This week, we look forward to fireworks, barbecues, and being with family and friends as we celebrate the independence of our nation. As we prepare to fly the American flag, many of us share concerns about what is going on in our country and in our world today. International tensions are running high. War in Ukraine continues. Climate change is affecting the planet. Polarization in our country only seems to worsen. And each of you has your own list. It is hard to see past our pessimism to find hope, even as we look forward to celebrating the fourth. And yet, as we are reminded in our call to worship based on Psalm 66 this morning, God gives us reason for hope, reason to rejoice. We are told to praise God for his sovereign dominion over all the earth. We are reminded that God brought the Israelites through the Red Sea out of Egyptian bondage and through the Jordan River to the promised land. The psalmist cautions us to expect hardships in life, saying, you, O God, have tested us. Yet the psalmist reassures us that God has not let our feet slip and brought us forth to a spacious place. We are told to praise God's sovereignty and greatness, to trust in God, even in troubled times. Nevertheless, we still struggle with the nagging question, why do bad things happen to good people? as expressed by Rabbi Kushner. Why does God allow innocent people to die in Ukraine? Why was the innocent bystander killed at that event? Or why did our neighbors lose their daughter to a devastating illness? We are confronted with situations for which we don't have reasonable explanations or answers. Things happen that we cannot prevent or control and do not understand. This may lead you, like me, in times like this, to question, where are you, God? Two years ago, my 96-year-old father, who seemed to be in good health, died very unexpectedly just as he was preparing to bring my frail and declining 94-year-old mother home from a difficult hospital stay in Pittsburgh, where they lived, following yet another bad fall and a new diagnosis of dementia. My father was the caretaker, the one who paid the bills, administered the medication, did the shopping, and he was the one mom and all of us relied on. Dad was preparing for mom's return home the very week 
he died. My family and I were caught by surprise. We were focused on my mother and totally unprepared for my father's sudden death. As many of you know, my mother died this past May. Over the last two years, I have wrestled with the question, why did dad die before mom? What could I have done to prevent my dad's death? And with the question, what is best for mom now? What do we do? My brother, who lives in Texas, and I struggled with whether we should move mom to Roanoke rather than leaving her in assisted living where we had moved her in Pittsburgh after my dad died. My heart was not at peace. I prayed that God could help us see clearly what was best for mom and help me give up my desperate need to control things. Sometimes the answer to my prayer was silence. Other times, like when the facility in Pittsburgh told us they could no longer care for mom and we had to move her, the answer was not one I hoped for. Slowly, I began to accept there are things in the unseen realm I will never understand. Over and over, I was shown that I had to give up control, stop questioning why things had happened in this way, and give up my belief that I could fix it. I had to learn to trust God, even when he was silent or had answers other than those I wanted. When we pass through a difficult season like this, we are told to turn to God, who will care for us and not abandon us. And it is also during these trying times that we will grow the most, gain new strength, and that our faith deepens. In such times, we must not rely only on ourselves, but trust in God. Slowly, I also began to realize I was not in this alone. Our sovereign God cares for and is powerful over all of creation, and I am not the only one in the world facing loss or not feeling up to the task in front of me. There are many others facing much more painful and difficult situations than mine. Not only is God there for us, but he gave us each other. Eventually, I grew to be grateful for this very special time with my mother and for the dedicated people who cared for her. So many strangers and friends helped us, including some of you. I felt like an angel appeared in my path the day someone helped me when I had car trouble in Pittsburgh while visiting mom. Another day there, when I felt particularly low, a stranger stopped to ask me about my mother and listened empathetically to my response making me feel seen and cared for. And then in Roanoke, our caregivers and the Second Presbyterian pastors and members 
supported us in wonderful and surprising ways. You lifted our burden, and my husband David and I are deeply grateful to you. We learned we are not alone. Not only is God watching over us, but we can watch over each other. We are in this together. Our gospel lesson today reminds us that we are part of a community of faith. Although we usually think about Jesus sending out his disciples as he did in the Great Commission, today's text from Luke describes another sending of his followers that is equally compelling. The life of faith is not meant to be lived alone as a solitary exercise, but with others in community, bound together by faith and God's steadfast love, with hearts at peace. In our passage, Jesus sends out a group of 70 to villages and towns on a single focused task to prepare the way for the places he intended to visit. Paired two by two, they were charged to bring greetings of peace to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Before they were sent out, Jesus described what they were likely to encounter along the way. Jesus told them to brace themselves because things would be difficult. He warns them they will be like lambs among wolves, facing rejection and not always well-received. He tells them they cannot bring much with them to set aside their worldly goods, also perhaps meaning metaphorically to leave behind their internal burdens their fears, resentments, and the need to be right. All they needed was already inside them. The promise of peace and the knowledge that God's kingdom is near. Is this not an apt description of the realities we encounter as Christians? Living a life of faith has its ups and downs. Some days we feel close to God and filled with the Holy Spirit. Other days we feel separated from God. One day our prayer life is rich and focused. Our hearts are full of love and compassion for others. On another day, we are distracted by whatever burdens we bear. We rush through prayers or forget them altogether. We are too preoccupied to even think about others. Jesus gave his followers similar warnings. Some days they would be well-received. Meals would be shared, people healed, community formed, and the kingdom of God glimpsed. Other days, doors would be closed, they will be rejected, and it will be best to move on. But even in such discouraging times, we can trust in the promise of peace and the assurance that God's kingdom is near. Like those sent out on the mission in Luke, our faith in our Lord and Savior launches us into the world. We too 
are called to proclaim the peace of God and the promise of his kingdom. Jesus sent the disciples out, not alone, but in pairs, two by two, so they could encourage each other, be trusted confidants, and hold each other accountable. God gave us each other. We are called to live in community together and support each other through the good times and bad. Yet living in community is not easy. Sometimes we get caught up in an us versus them paradigm, defining ourselves by saying, we're not them. The churches in Galatia wrestled with this issue. They were followers of Jesus, but they came from different backgrounds and sometimes disagreed about how to form a new Christian community. Sound familiar? In his book, The Righteous Mind, social psychologist Jonathan Hyde argues that humans are 90% chimp and 10% bees. He contends that human nature developed at two levels simultaneously. Like other primates, we excel at achievement and competition, but we were also shaped as we came together in groups and competed with other groups. The most cooperative and cohesive groups usually beat the selfish individualist. In Hyde's words, we humans have the ability, under special circumstances, to shut down our petty selves and become like bees in a hive, working for the good of the group. Our bee-like nature facilitates altruism and heroism, but when our primate nature emerges, we see we are also capable of great harm. From Height's perspective, our righteous minds can be seen as primate minds with a hivish overlay, which is dangerous when it blinds us to others outside our hive. That is when fear sneaks into our hearts and minds. Our clickishness can bind us together, but can also blind us to the needs of others and lead us to unfair judgments if we are not careful. As the Apostle Paul says in Galatians, there is no longer Jew nor Greek, no longer slave nor free. You are all one in Jesus Christ. Jesus told his followers that whatever house they enter, first say, peace to this house but it is hard for us to always find the peace of God, especially when we feel overwhelmed by the events around us. Whether on the world stage or in our own personal relationships, we experience and perpetuate turmoil, hurt, and mistreatment of each other and of God's creation. We are not centered in the peace of God. We have convinced ourselves that peace will come when that person or that group changes or stops doing something, 
We condition peace on our ability to change, control, or even remove the offending party. With that approach, we are allowing others to determine whether our hearts are at peace. But it doesn't work. We don't have the power to change another. That's why we feel powerless in the face of the world's tragedies. We usually are powerless. The only person I can change is myself. I could not control when my dad died, but I could control my own response with God's help and with your help. As Michael Marsh suggests in his sermon, Interrupting the Silence, we may not have control over the end of the war, but you and I can choose whether we live with hearts that are at peace or hearts that are at war. Jesus did not send the 70 out to change everyone they met, but to offer peace to those who could hear. Rather than instructing us to go change others, Jesus instructs us to enter every house, saying peace to this house. To do that, we must first become people with hearts at peace, with love for others. That is the change of heart that is at the core of peace. A heart at peace looks into the face of another and recognizes its own. A heart at peace listens to the other and quiets one's own mind. A heart at peace knows when to walk away. We cannot change others or fix world events, but what we can do is change our hearts to cultivate a heart at peace, abiding in God's love. On this upcoming holiday, as we celebrate our country's independence, let's not gloss over our independence and our interdependence. The good of one is linked to the good of another. Jesus calls us to live lives of faith that strengthen our Christian community and bridge the divides that separate us without letting our desire to change others or to control get in the way. And as we go through trying times as a nation, as a community, and as individuals, we can be confident in our sovereign God with our hearts at peace. Even in difficult times, God gives us hope and reason to rejoice. Trust in God's abiding presence and steadfast love and lean on each other with your hearts at peace. May it be so. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.